one of the most important things that you can do as you grow your business, as you grow your brand, is to make people actually care about what it is that you're doing and the, and the work that you're putting out into the world. However, that can be more difficult than it seems. And so that's why we've brought Tom Geary in today. He is the founder and creative director of School of Thought, which is a San Francisco-based creative agency. And Tom, it's so great to have you on today to talk about this topic because this is really all what you do at School of Thought. But why is it so important to make people actually care about the brand? Well, it's great to be here, Cheryl. Thank you. I, I think the, the, the big issue is that we're all busy and distracted and 90% and of communications get ignored. You know, when you're inside the bubble, in your office, in your boardroom, wherever it is, surrounded by the group think, everybody's excited, the stock options are coming, but out in the real world, it's a different game. And so we always try to presume disinterest and then work to overcome it. And if you can basically channel the skeptical consumer that we all are at home, DVRing past all the lame ads, if you can adopt that mindset for whatever it is you're trying to do, you're gonna be in a better place. So how do people penetrate that skepticism? Because there is so much of it out there. And I think now we're dealing with a lot of people who are frankly pretty savvy to the fact that they're being advertised to. So there is a lot of skepticism. How can we overcome that? Great question. Uh, I mean, hey, I do this for a living. I hate ads. Everybody hates uh, advertising and that's fine, but we all like stories. We all like to smile or laugh or cry. So connecting authentically using emotion is just the way to go. We did a call yesterday with a prospective client and she was talking about how she's working on sustainability and she's just like, everybody does things that are so stocky. It's a stock photography, a picture of the sun for the obvious solar ad. And she's exactly right. So we sent her some of the work we've done that used humor to get people to try to recycling and composting. And we were making all these ridiculous jokes about San Francisco, either you start recycling or we're gonna add more. And we did lots of things that were like that, just ridiculous, esoteric local stuff. There are no cemeteries in, in San Francisco, which is just the peculiarity of the geography. It's, it's a small little peninsula. So we had a headline. It was like, if we can't bury grandma here, we can't handle your extra coffee. What's <laughs> effective about it, we're not doing it just because I, I want to be a stand-up comedian, although my son would probably roll his eye, eyes and disagree. Humor is disarming. It's a way of, you were talking about the skepticism. It neutralizes it. If you're laughing at something, you're going to quit forgetting that it's a marketing message, in this case, an educational message, and you're going to pay attention. But it doesn't have to be humor. I mean, any kind of emotion is good. All decisions are basically grounded in, in emotion. We're doing a lot of work in equity and sustainability and things that are really important. And people are all exhausted and jaded. So it's about connecting somehow emotionally so that we get people's attention. And then once you have their attention, you can communicate effectively. Yeah, they think that's the key is, is how do you get that attention? How do you get them to actually invest their precious time into learning more about you or consuming more of your content or coming back to your website? And I think that there's a fine line between humor and then going maybe too far or trying too hard, like where sometimes I see maybe copy or ads that are trying too hard. They seem like they're trying to be clever, but they've kind of missed the mark. I think that's one of the fears that people have about using humor, especially humor in their marketing is that, well, I don't consider myself to be a funny or clever person. Therefore, I should not attempt this. That's a great point. I, I worked at a, at a pretty well-known shop uh, called Butler, Shine and Stern. One of the co-founders said to me, this is a little 
edgy, hopefully okay, but you said there's a fine line between brilliance and shit. And it's exactly right. You don't want to, if somebody is, if you don't have a sort of a humorous bone in your body, there's just no way you're going to pull off Robin Williams or channel Robin Williams. But is there a way that you can tap into a universal truth? Exhaustion about the pandemic, working from home, Zoom calls that freeze, labradoodles that go nuts in the middle of a Zoom call, the next door, the fact that with certainty, the, the leaf blower is going to start up in the middle of our conversation. Oh, I'm expecting it. I'm, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear it just fire up. No, it's about tapping into the emotional truths that we have. And so it doesn't have to be make you cry humor. It doesn't have to make be make you cry emotion, but it's better if you can do something that kind of strikes a chord. And also incidentally, it shouldn't be about yourself, right? It's like Dale Carnegie. Communications is effective communications. It should be about the target, be empathetic. What does Cheryl need? And you start from that place, thinking about your target audience and trying to think about their pain points, what they're dealing with, how many hundreds of emails they've gotten today and that they're looking at yours, number 106. Whatever it is, if you think hard about the target, Think about the universal truths that are at play and, and you'll have a lot more success. What, sort of what I was talking about the emotion thing, a long time ago I interviewed the chief marketing officer of Volvo in Sweden. And we were talking about people being nervous on camera, Cheryl. We actually put him in a Volvo and had him drive around because he was so apprehensive. But he had a great line. He said, there's a difference between information and communication. Because if you want to get to the head, you have to go through the heart. So I think it's just something that has guided all of our work ever since. You've worked with big brands, right? You've worked with Cisco WebEx, eBay, Red Bull, but a lot of the cashing on camera audience, they're not Fortune 500 companies. Like they're entrepreneurs who are looking to build their brand. And so maybe they don't have a veil to a creative agency such as yours to be able to help them with this work. So I wonder what advice you would give them and how they could inject emotion or humor into their own marketing if, again, they don't feel like they're really humorous, but like you said, universal truth. How do you get to that universal truth? I think you were kind of alluding to it there when you said you have to get through the heart before you get to the head, but there's some work that needs to be done to drill down into who this person is you're trying to reach. It's exactly right. The more you can think of who the recipient is in great detail. What are their pain points? What are they going through? We Are they overworked? What are their stressors? What are their goals? What do they really need? And then you basically try and reverse engineer in a way that will get people's attention. So the fact that the email box is just too full. A lot of the time we write cold emails to prospects and so forth as well, just smaller entrepreneurs. And it's hard, but you've got to presume disinterest. Think about right. the person on the other side, literally a river of emails. I've got clients who get two, 300, 400 emails a day. So you've got to have a awesome subject line. You've got to have a killer first line. I mean, we basically presume that 90% of communications get ignored. What are you going to do that's going to be the 10%? Well, you better have an awesome opening. We did some work locally for pro bono for a vaccination effort to get people in the black community in Oakland vaccinated. And the headline was Black Lives Matter. And we had a really strong hook and we needed that because people were 
were skeptical and jaded, understandably, based on what's taking place here in the U.S. with healthcare in the Black community. So we had to hook them hard, then we pivoted to our communication once we had their attention. You have to basically adopt that framework with whatever you're doing. It can be a poster, it can be an email, presume disinterest, and then work hard to overcome it. I've never heard of it put that way before, presume disinterest. I really like that because if we think about it that way, that will change the way that we approach, like you said, copywriting or any type, any form of communication that we approach, presume that they're disinterested. They're not waiting. They're not sitting there waiting for your email to arrive. Exactly they're right. Not, they're not yeah. waiting for your rebrand. We get clients who are, it's kind of funny, in the boardroom, everything looks great. It's the one ad is sitting there in your office that you have commissioned and you're already passionate about whatever it is we're talking about. The new laptop with seven gigahertz processor speed or whatever, nobody else cares. But in that room, you do. We get clients who are like looking at the, the body copy, not the body copy, they're looking at the legal and they're like, oh yeah, this is great. And I stop them and I say, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is whether they will stop and look at this ad in the first place, which means the headline and the image better be strong. I'd love to have people get to the copy. I'd love to have people get to the body, to the legal copy. So the point is, don't presume people are going to read your stuff. Don't presume they're going to get to the legal copy. Go the other direction. I was just going to say about, about curiosity. How important is it to inject some level of curiosity into headlines or copy? There's a kind of a famous San Francisco ad guy who used to say, people don't read advertising, they read what interests them. So make it interesting and you'll get there. That's the trick. Again, we don't try to come up with ads. We, we try to come up with things that are emotionally resonant that will get people's attention. And I'd love to know more about the process. Let's say you're working with someone, the actual creative process of getting to that finite thing that's going to be the headline per se. A lot of people like our name, School of Thought, although they frequently walk in and say, the School of Rock place is really impressive. And we also have people who walk in and ask us what our class schedule is. But 300th name, the bankers have the worst credit. It's hard to have perspective about your own wares, which is the challenge. I'm pretty great with somebody else's brand. It's pretty hard for our own, which is the inherent challenge that your audience is faced with. You lack perspective. You're on the team. You're pretty excited about the new offering. So it takes a lot of work. We come up with literally hundreds of ideas, and then we run it through the will anybody care filter. And we shoot it around. It's a circular firing squad on the team, and we all shoot down each other's work, mostly politely. And then eventually we present some very low percentage of the ideas that we come up with. But you've got, we have to run it through the, the lots of different filters. Is it on strategy? Is it going to the right audience? Do we think it, it's got the right tone for the brand and so forth? So it, I wish I could say that I hit F7 on the keyboard and the ideas popped out, nor are we using the AI to do the lift for us yet. Google did a white paper, which is a great read for just about anybody. It's called From Promotion to Emotion. And it basically talks about the fact that emotion drives every decision for consumers and for businesses. And I really think about that because whether you're buying coffee or a $100,000 infrastructure solution, cloud SaaS thing, or it's a million dollars, you've got high stakes for both, right? Yeah. Your partner's upset with the coffee choice or you're gonna lose your job on the SaaS thing. Either way, you're in trouble.
Yeah, that's right. A lot of people I think are afraid of taking risks when it comes to a certain amount of experimentation I think that has to happen. How much should they be risk taking? Is it something that really needs to be in the DNA of an entrepreneur to be like, just go out there and try some stuff? Yeah, that's a great point. And it's something that we recommend to our clients all the time. There are risks in business and there are capital R risks in business, right? If you're Volkswagen, you want to come up with a new car, that's a billion dollar investment. The new shape, the new everything, three years of tooling, that's a capital R risk. If you're coming up with an ad, who cares? right yep. you can change it and the world will not end if everybody doesn't like your ad most of the time the work that we come up with is slightly polarizing it generally means we've come up with something that is not vanilla that will stand out and some people like it and some people won't but it's about trying things and optimizing as you say because if you're too safe it, it doesn't work Here's a different, because I'm the master of bad metaphors, I sometimes think about communications as like a stock portfolio. If you have everything in bonds or whatever is the safest thing on them out there these days, of course, right now it's tough to talk about stocks. Big picture, you don't wanna go all in on something that's gonna earn a CD, that's gonna earn you half a percent is not a great way to go, right? Yeah. So what everybody says is, have some proportion in it, something safe, middle of the road for another chunk, and then have some flyers. And you should basically adopt that approach too with your marketing in general. So on this side of things, there's just no harm in doing some more things, pushing yourself to, to try some things and optimize. When I was doing some work for Microsoft, I led a chunk of Microsoft business. As a corporate culture, you know, they're pretty conservative, but they push themselves to invest 3% on total flyers every year. Experiments that just anything goes, we're not gonna get in the way too much. And I had two things that generated, I think, 100 million hits organically. Wow. They're in Wikipedia now because somebody said, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll get behind it. It's one of the 3% projects. And good for them. But getting out of your own way is really good advice to, to push that. yourselves because you will, just like the stock portfolio, not all of them will hit, but some of them will. And you get outsized returns that will help the whole portfolio. I love that because it gives permission to our, our viewers and listeners to say, go out there and just try some things that like you said polarizing the audience is not a bad thing i think a lot of times people think oh no i don't want to alienate no you do want i think polarize because that's actually an indication that you're probably doing something right so i love that tom one of the things that we do on cash in on camera is we have a segment called stop marketing like it's 1999 so i would love to know what is a tip, a tactic, a tool, some type of technique that you're using to market at School of Thought? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I, I've talked a little bit about the presumed disinterest, but I think that we've all hunkered down and we're in the bunkers. I'm, I'm at home now, our office is, we're gathering cobwebs at our office, which is a few miles away in Oakland. But I just think it's really important that people, I, I have found I'm a lot more successful in terms of outreach when I strive to build a relationship first versus how can you help me? Which it's like, I do have a goal in connecting with this person of a transaction, but if you go transactional first versus relationship, it's obvious, it backfires, it's putting. So I would say, especially these days, we're all stuck at home, mostly. Make a connection authentically and everything will unfold from there. It's funny, sometimes people ask me about that painting. My dad actually painted it. When I was a kid, he fulfilled his lifelong dream of sailing around the world. And so we went on that boat and we were in the South Pacific. 
So I was talking to somebody, a prospect, a cold lead, and, and he said, what was the story with that? And it turns out he's a big sailor. And we started talking about racing, boats, and the money pit in the water that they are and so forth. And we have since gone out and had numerous drinks and made a really strong connection. And I have yet to pivot to the professional thing, but I will, and it will be authentic. And I think it will go well, but I'm in a much better place than I would have been if I just sort of started pitching this guy cold. Yeah, I agree. If I think back on relationships and clientele, if in most cases, the ones that, <laughs> that I've really enjoyed working with have stemmed from having had a relationship first. So I agree with you. Tom, this has been so much fun. This has really been a blast to hear your perspective as someone who is deep in the trenches of the creative process to be able to help people with their brands and making people care about the brand. It's very insightful and I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Cheryl. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This podcast features curated audio originating from live video interviews simulcast on social media. You can catch full video episodes at Cheryl Pluff and on my YouTube channel. To learn how we can help you use video to grow your business, visit CherylPluff.com. Remember, you can send us a voicemail question or suggestion for inclusion in the show from our main podcast page. Cash In On Camera is a production of Cheryl Pluff Media.